And open your Bibles, if you would now, to the book of Luke, chapter number 4. Luke, chapter 4. And I don't know about anybody else, but I am roasting. I don't know if it's because I've been moving my arms, but it is hot in here. That's all I got to say. It's, it's me. Everybody else is used to the muggy way. So I'm not putting the jacket back on, and I might lose the tie here shortly. But Luke chapter number 4. Now, I prayed a lot about this day. I've prayed for a long time leading up to this day. Um, there are many things that I long to see happen in this community. The many things that I long to see happen in our world as a result of this local New Testament church and the effort that it puts into reaching the world. Um, many ministries that I would like to see us hosting, many tasks that I would like for us to take on. But let's start out this morning by simply looking at a passage of Scripture that uh, really kind of sums a few things up for us. Look with me, if you would, at Luke chapter number 4, verses 18 and 19. And would you stand with me briefly? I know we've had you sit and stand and sit and stand, but that's okay. This keeps you awake. I'm going to be up here preaching for two hours. You can stand for two minutes. Some of you are worried. It was a joke. It's okay. Okay, Luke chapter 4, look with me at verse 18 and 19, where the Lord says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Father, bless, we pray, the reading of your word to our hearts and our life to its application. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> now, I, I, uh, I wanted uh, to find some videos, and I just couldn't, I couldn't find one that I really liked that helped to get the... Uh, uh, the point that I was trying to make across, but there's an analogy that I like to use in reference to uh, to fish. And uh, and and guys, I apologize, I didn't give you a copy of this, so wing it. All right, um, we'll just see what we can get accomplished here. But there's an analogy that I like to use often when referring to the church, and it's simply this: that the church is like an aquarium. That's right. I refer to the church as a fish tank. Okay. And I'm going to do the best that I can to help you see what it is that I'm talking about. And it's something that God has really done a lot of work in my heart. Uh, he's really kind of uh, solidified a few things as I've looked at, uh, at some of what, uh, what I see in the local New Testament church. I think we had a wonderful class next door with the, uh, 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 the new members class talking about church discipline. And I'm afraid that there's so much in churches today that have been completely muddied because of misunderstandings of what we're doing, why we're doing them, how we're doing them, how we are to be doing them. And so it's important for us to kind of get back to the, uh, the basis of what's going on. And so this analogy of a fish tank, I, I, I like fish tanks. I don't know if anybody else does or not. I really like fish tanks. I don't want to have a fish tank because that's too much like work. 
but I like them. You go to a mall, you go to places, and they've got the big, beautiful fish tanks and everything, especially when you've got the tropical fish, and they've got the little Nemos and the, and the Dories, and I don't know what they're really called, clownfish and something else, I don't know. But they're Nemos and Dories. Ever since Nemo came out, it's Nemos and Dories. But we, we, uh, we, we see these fish tanks, and we look at them, and we think to ourselves, wow, those are just really nice. Uh, I've got a big TV, and YouTube has a great fish tank. And so that's the fish tank that I'll have. I'm happy with it. I'm praising the Lord for it. Uh, if you all want fish tanks, praise the Lord for you. Let me know when it's looking good, and I'll come over and, and eyeball your fish tank. But what I've learned, however, is that the church can be likened into a fish tank. You know that there are certain fish that don't mix well together. Have you ever noticed that? There are certain fish, if you get, if you get, uh, we tried the fish tank thing for a while and you couldn't see the fish because it was just, the water was nasty and no matter what I did, it just didn't work and I said, this is stupid, why am I wasting time, money and energy into this when I've got YouTube? And so we just gave up on it. But what I did find, but there are certain things such as uh, guppies, tetras and barbs, they tend to do well together. And uh, so if you're a barb, then you need to find a tetra and a guppy and those, those things will go well. Uh, but then while tetras and barbs seem to do well with, uh, with angelfish, guppies do not do well with angelfish. And so what you find is you, you, you go to the, the, the store, the, the pet store, and you, you get a hold of a certain fish, and then the fish people will tell you at the fish store, says, you don't want to add those to what you've already got. That's not going to go well. Then you have certain fish like oscars and goldfish, and they just really don't get along with anything, anything else. And just they, they may. I, I found a chart and I thought about bringing it, but it was so many fish. And I thought, but it shows you like this one will go with this one, will not go with this one. Probably shouldn't do it. You know, and it kind of you know goldfish. It's just like straight across. So don't put them with anything else. They might do well with this and this. You know, here's here's the thing that's amazing is sometimes, if we're not careful, in many churches. There's a thriving school of goldfish swimming around. And they're doing wonderfully well. They're getting along with one another. They're sharing food with one another. Everything seems to be going all right. And then somebody goes to the pet store and says, I would love to add some angelfish, some barbs, and some tetras to the, to, to the fish tank. And they bring these home and they dump them in the tank only to watch the goldfish pick at them, eat them, kill them. You know, churches can be that way. The churches, many churches around the world today are, are groups of goldfish. And as soon as a tetra shows up, they do everything they can to pick, 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 until it's dead. There's another analogy that we could add to the fish tank scenario here. If you ever decide that you want to go and start a fish tank and, and you're at the store and you're looking and you've, you've looked at all the fish and you decide which fish you like the best and you tell the person at the store, I'd like to take some of those fish home. They say, well, how many do you want? 85, because two will only be remaining when I'm done with them. And, and so they get the bag full of fish. They get them out for you and it's ready to go and they put that air in the bag, you know, tie it up with a little rubber band and they give it to you. And then, and then you look at them and you say, okay, now show me which tank I need to get and everything. 
And you know what they're going to do is they're going to take the fish out of your hand, they're going to put them back in the tank, and they're going to say, you have to get the fish tank set and the water regulated and everything right before you add the fish. You see, here's what happens many times. And, 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 and sadly, uh, there's, there's, this, um, uh, there's this excitement that comes in that gets turned in the wrong direction. And if we're not careful, we can treat our church like a fish tank. But now here's the difference. We are not fish. <laughs> we're the church. And the church is meant to be the body of Christ. Get that. And the, the church is not meant to be a goldfish tank or a tetra tank. It's meant to be the body of Christ. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I really enjoy that, that new series, The Chosen. And one of my favorite lines in, in all The Chosen is when Peter's talking to Jesus and he first calls him and he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And Peter says, well, what kind of fish are we supposed to catch? He says, all kinds. I'll sort them out later. I'll sort them out later. But what happens in so many churches is we get our little school of people together and we're happy with what we have. We're happy with the type of people we have. We're happy with the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the way that they act, the things that they want to do, the things that they don't want to do. We're happy with this. And if anybody comes in that's not one of these, we will get them to conform to our way. And we'll pick at them. Are you doing this yet? 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 And then finally, they either do one of two things. They either just die from being picked, 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 picked to death, or they jump out of the tank. i got to get away from this. Thankfully, I'm not talking about an experience here. Because before anybody gets upset and gets, oh man, he's getting ready to blast us. No. I'm not going to do that, I promise you. But here's what I want us to do. Before we can move forward, before we can start to grow and start to reach out into this community of, of people, we need to get the fish tank prepared. That's what this is all about. That's all this is all about. There's nothing in this, no hidden agendas, I promise you. But I know that, that some people are excited. Okay, Pastor, what, do, what are we going to do? What's the, uh, what's the plan? What's the vision moving forward? Well, before we can figure any of that stuff out, we have to get into seeing what it is that we need to accomplish. So if we're going to set ourselves goals and ambitions as a church, it's important that we understand why the church exists to begin with. It's important for us to understand that. Well, the church's purpose is not really any different than any believer's purpose. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, we find where God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so God created man in the image of God. Man's purpose in life is to be the image of God to this lost and dying world. That is your purpose in life if you are born again by the Spirit of God. Your purpose is not to make sure that your, your priorities or your preferences or the things that you want, the things that you enjoy, that is not your purpose in life. Your purpose is to be born again, as a born again, born again person, born again by the Spirit of God, your purpose is to reveal Christ. That's what our purpose at Buckingham Baptist Church is going to be. That's why we're here. That's it. 
And so anything that anything that might prevent us or keep us from doing that, we need to put it off to the side. Just get just get it off to the side for a moment. Now we've been here in Luke chapter number uh, four, and we looked at the the passage that is re- that is uh, seen here that Jesus Himself puts out. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me. In other words, He has given me a job to do. He's given me a purpose. He's told me what I'm going to take care of and how I'm supposed to go about it. And so what we find before us here is we we see something that is revealed to us about the job that Jesus had. Now we can look at how we can reveal God for weeks and not finish the subject. But right now, all I want to do is get down to the brass tacks. Now, Let's, let's see if we can understand a little bit of what, what it is that we are to reveal God. Look with me, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 5. Keep, a, keep your hand or put an offering envelope or something in Luke. We'll be back there. And go to Ephesians chapter 5. I want us to take close note of something here. Now, if you were to read Ephesians chapter 5, what you're going to find is right in the midst of Paul's teaching on the church, he inserts something here about it. Chapter 4 discusses how we should be in a unity in the body of Christ. There should be unity. There shouldn't be these schisms and divisions. Uh, Then the old and new life, he talks about the old and new life that we find in Christ and the gifts of Christ. We, We look at the putting off of the old man and putting on of the new man. Uh, you see all of these things kind of leading up to uh, what we find here in chapter 5. Then in chapter 5, you find how we ought to walk and the way that we ought to behave. And you'll see in chapter 5 things such as you know the, one of the most po- uh, popular portions of chapter 5 and 22 down. It's about husbands and wives, the way wives should treat their husbands, the way husbands should treat your, their wives. Entering into chapter 6, you even find things about the children, the way the children and the parents ought to behave, and the way employees and employers ought to behave. And we oftentimes, we take those sections and we go, this is teaching on marriage. This is teaching on parenting. Wrong. It's teaching on how the church ought to be. The whole thing. We can draw application to what we ought to do as husbands and wives, but the teaching is as a church body, this is how we ought to behave. And you see in verse 1 of chapter 5 exactly why. Notice what it says, Be ye therefore followers of God, as dear children. You know that word followers? means imitator. We are called to imitate God. It says as dear children. It's like that child who, you know, when the dad is sitting at the dinner table and the dad picks up his drink, the child picks up his drink. When the dad takes a drink, the child takes a drink. Sets it down just like the dad does. Then the dad picks up his knife and maybe he does a little flourish with his arms and the little kid goes, he does his little He's imitating. This is what we ought to do. We ought to see what God does and that's what we do. Plain and simple. So what is it that God does? Well, we see what Jesus said he came to do. Now we can look at a lot of different things, but what I'm picking out today is simply his mission. Back in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach, notice what He says, to preach the gospel to the poor. 
So let's look at a few things that he uh, he has called uh, called us to do and how we ought to reveal Christ by doing the same thing. Number one, we preach the gospel to the poor. Why why do we target the poor? This not this is not saying that the wealthy have no need of the gospel, nor is it saying that the wealthy are not deserving. What is significant about the poor is that Jesus's mission was not to reach the high and lofty. He was to reach the low and humble. This is what it's all about. No, no trickle-down type of religion. We don't start with the ones that are doing everything right and then trickle down to the ones that are messing everything up. That's not what we're doing. No, 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 no. Christianity begins with the humble, the base, the needy. It is when we are needy that we learn to look up. That's who it's for. It's not about that person who thinks that they've got everything everything going on. You know, the sad thing is that there are many people who feel that they have no need of anything. They are unconcerned with what Jesus has to offer. And it is important for us to reach out to those who are empty and ready to be filled. There are some people, sadly, who are already full of everything that this world has to offer and they have no need of anything else in their life and they don't see their need of Jesus. This is what he's talking about. He says, I came to present to the poor. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you see yourself that way? Or do you see yourself as I've got it under control? Well, we are here to reach out. Not Understand this. Goldfish like more goldfish in their fish tank. That's what goldfish want. More of us. Jesus didn't go reach more of Him. He was the only one. He went to the prostitutes, the beggars, the drunkards. He went to the publicans, the people nobody wanted at their dinner table. He said, that's the one I want. So Buckingham Baptist, you want to know what you're called to do? It's not to reach more like people. It's to reach those who need the Gospel. Second, there are two things that break hearts. Notice what it, 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 he talks about it here. I came to preach the Gospel of the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Two things that will break hearts. Shame and sorrow. Shame and sorrow. The broken heart is the one that needs mending. Jesus offers refuge for the soul who is conscious that it is under divine condemnation. Shame. My sin has driven me to shame. And sorrow, this could be due to a disappointment, could be over a loss or a wearying of the soul. Imagine the religious of that day. Imagine them for just a minute. Working so desperately to perfect, only to find that they can't get it right. And then you have some pious gas bag standing off to the corner with his thumbs and his lapels going, I thank God I'm not like him. And you're just going to bury your face in shame even more. And I try to do good and I just I keep messing up. I try to do good, but I'm never going to be as spiritual as that guy. I'm never going to be able to pray the way she prays. I'm never going to know the Word of God the way he knows the Word of God. I'm never going to be able to sing and, and, and act the way she acts. I'm never going to be able to dress the way he dresses. I'm never going to be able to, uh, to, uh, to listen to the things that he listens to. I'm never going to be perfect. That's the one we want to reach. The one that thinks that they've got it all under control, Jesus said it this way, I did not come to call the righteous, I came to call the sinner. That's the Andy Lake paraphrased edition, just by the way. Understand who He came to reach was you. 
you. The one who needs the heart to be mended. There are more captives than simply taking prisoners as well. Notice what he, what he talks about here. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive. Now this is, a, this is a, an interesting part of it here. Uh, the captive can be not just captive as in bondage. I've heard people say that because of this passage, that means that every church should have a prison ministry, and if they don't have a prison ministry, they're failing in, in the work of the Lord. That's not true. That is not true. He's talking about those who are held captive and in bondage to sin. It could be captive to error, false teaching, false understandings. There are many false teachers out there today which are deliberately teaching false doctrine. However, there are also those who are teaching false doctrine because they don't understand. So we don't want to just write them all off. Oh, they're, look at them. They're, they're part of the wrong kind of church. We don't want to have anything to do with them. Stop. Share the truth with them. They're captive. Maybe they're captive to vice. Well, we don't want that kind of guy here. We don't want that kind of girl here. They're going to mess things up. They're dirty, and if they sit on our chairs, we're going to have to clean the chair. Well, they don't dress the way we would dress, and I don't want that kind of person here. Well, they, have you heard the way they speak? What if they say the wrong thing? They're captive. Help them. Help them. Let's reach them with the gospel. Captive to vanity. Many people are worried about what others think of them. The beautiful thing is that Christ came to deliver the captive. To set them free. Now that's important. It's important. We're going to see that again here in just a moment. But notice the fourth thing. And it's simply this, to bring enlightenment to those in darkness. You'll notice it here in verse 18. He says, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Put your hand in here and go to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Now Jesus is reading at this stage of the game. He is reading straight from the, uh, from the Old Testament Scriptures. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. He has this reading where he's in his home synagogue, his home area, and they're, they're coming together to read uh, on, on Sabbath, and he is getting ready to give his talk, and he reads from a portion of the, uh, the scroll of Isaiah, and it's this portion right here, verse number 1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. There's preaching the gospel, good tidings, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. We've already gone through that one as well. I don't see anything about blind in here. And then it just goes straight to the opening of prison to them that are bound. There's something that we need to notice here. Because I've heard it taught that Jesus didn't quote from Scripture. He quoted from the Septuagint. And you know that's true. But he quoted from Scripture. It's important for us to see this. You know, I've, I've, I've heard people say things about adding to or taking away from Scripture. Well, if that's the case, we're going to take a hard and fast rule. Well, did Jesus add to? No, He didn't add to. He read straight from the Word of God. 
I want you to notice a couple things about this. Some might say that there's an error in this passage. No, there's no error in the passage. The translators did not add to the Word of God. There was no mistake. Jesus did not misquote. Understand, God didn't misquote God. I'm just putting it out there for what it's worth. He can't misquote himself. And so if he's reading from the Septuagint and he reads this part, if he knew it didn't belong there, he wouldn't have said it. He'd have been like, hold the phone. Hey, Nicodemus, this is wrong. Because I was there when it was written. I mean, I don't know. So remembering that Jesus is likely using the Septuagint, what we find is back here in, uh, in this, we have a word that is yud, pekach. It's a weird word. Don't ask me to really spell it for you because I can't spell it. That's just not in my English vernacular. But the word is open. And it's the same word found uh, in reference to in Isaiah 42, 7. You can find it there as well. It is clear that this is talking about opening people that are in darkness. Look at it again now. Isaiah 61, verse 1. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are in bound, that are bound. Look back to Isaiah 42 7 so that you can see what I'm talking about. Isaiah 42 7. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. The delivering of prisoners is equated to the opening of those who are in darkness, opening the eyes of those who are in darkness. And so Jesus is not adding to anything here. This is part of what Jesus came to this earth to do. And then notice also, going back to Luke, to set at liberty them that are bruised. This word bruised is the Greek word thrao, and it simply means a crushing by implication rather than literal. It is the weighing down, the weighty things that have weighed uh, people down. If you were to go to Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 7, you find where Jesus talks, uh, uh, describes the Pharisees as weighing down the people with the rules and the regulations. It was not to, meant to be a literal bruising. It was indicating the heavy-hearted weighing down of the rules and regulations that the Pharisees had imposed. Unless you do it this way, unless you do it our way, unless you come along to this look, the Sabbath day, you weren't allowed to spit on a dirt road because that's making mud. What if you accidentally sneezed? Or you just sinned? And, and, and you know, if, uh, uh, Lord forbid, that you needed to go visit somebody who lived 3,005 feet from your door because you were only allowed to walk 3,000 feet from your door on the Sabbath day. And so if they're sick and they need chicken soup, you can take it 3,000 feet and drop it right there and then hopefully they can muscle the strength to get out and get it themselves. Do you see how they were weighed down? Buckingham Baptist Church, we need to be the ones to help bring that weight off. You know, the sad thing is that the very place where people are ought to be able to find liberty 
is often the place where they find more rules and regulations. Uh, you know, I don't know about you. I mean, you, you can take whatever stance you want on this, but it, it, it's amusing to me. I, I looked it up just out of curiosity. Uh, Xanax is a common anti-anxiety medication. The side effects are dizziness, trouble concentrating, decreased appetite, irritability, confusion, headache, increased energy, muscle weakness, drowsiness, slurred speech, depression, memory impairment, constipation, sweating, agitation, pain, impaired coordination, weak swallowing, weak and shallow breathing, insomnia, nausea, upset stomach, dry mouth, blurred double vision. Well, I'm not anxious anymore, but I can't go to the bathroom and I see two wives now. How about another one? Albuterol, well-known asthma medication. List of side effects includes sore throats, dizziness, hives, cough, wheezing, decreased urination, redness of the skin, tremors, chest pain, dry mouth, nausea, headaches, change in taste, hoarseness, back pain, voice changes, difficulty swallowing, swelling of the mouth or throat, nervousness, sleeplessness, chills, rash, drowsiness, and headaches. I don't have asthma anymore, but I'm anxious, depressed, nauseous, sleepy all the time, and I keep and I can't, went from a soprano to a bass. Got rid of the one thing, but then you come down with all these other things. Sadly, the church is like that a lot of times. Someone's coming looking for truth, and what they find is a list of regulations. And unless you're willing to follow this list of rules, you can't find truth. What do they need? They don't need to be told which radio station to turn on. They don't need to be told which television programs not to watch. They don't need to be told which version is the right version and the rest of them, they, are, they need to be nothing more than kindling. They don't need to be told which way is the right way to sing praises. They don't need to be told how they should and how they shouldn't dress. They don't need to be told these things. What they need is Jesus. That's what they need. But we have way too many pastors, way too many churches. They get on these bandwagons of everything else, who you should vote for, who you shouldn't vote for. Back off, get them Jesus. That's what they need. And if we can learn to give them the truth of God and His Word and we just present to them the Gospel over and over and over and over and over, give them Jesus and give them nothing else, maybe they'll find what they need. We're so busy giving them everything else. Jesus came to set people free from that. The illusion next, verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's one that you're just going to glance past if you're not careful. But what is being taught here, the illusion is to the year of Jubilee, which occurred one out of every 50 years. You can find that back in Leviticus chapter 25. This was when all debts were forgiven. Slaves were set free. Now, how does this apply to what they were going through back then? You know, The, the word for acceptable is the word dektos. Dektos is the root word, it has the root word dekamai, which literally means agreeable. Agreeable. In other words, it wasn't talking about the year that was acceptable. It was the year 
of acceptance I know me I know me but because of what Jesus did I am acceptable to God now me as Paul would have said, the greatest of sinners, the chief of sinners. I'm accepted by God. And so are you. That's what they need to hear. That's what this church needs to put out. This is not saying that the time, but it could be transliterated this way. The year that God showed favor to man. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, let's start to wrap this up. I know some of you are already anxious about making it to Golden Corral. I don't even know if they have a Golden Corral. But I want us to look at just one last thing. Going back to Isaiah. Look at chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. Back to the fish tank analogy. Alright, Pastor, you told us about how some of these people, these, these fish tanks and everything, right? Well, where is this going to come in? How do we make sure that we never become that goldfish tank that's just chewing up and spitting people out? How do we make sure that we have the fish tank ready before we go bringing in new fish? By keeping focused on the reason we're here. That's how we do it. So we're going to be talking here in a little bit. If you want to stay around for it, I encourage you to do so about what we're going to be doing moving forward. But to ensure that we don't become one of those churches that's all about the goldfish and we don't want the other ones in here. To make sure that we're not one of those churches who we're trying to bring people in and the tank isn't ready and so it's a bunch of cold water and everybody's getting into it and they're just dying. To make sure of that, we have to keep focused on the reason we're here. In Isaiah 43, look at verse 19 with me. The Word of the Lord says, Behold, this is God speaking, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? It will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, it's going to be so great and so miraculous, it's better than any river in the desert. This is how wonderful it is. And then we find out in Isaiah 61, it was about Jesus coming. Jesus came. That was the new thing He did. This new thing was to introduce to the world truth. That's what He did. All the misconceptions, all the misunderstandings, all that the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, all the, the muddying of the, of the truth that they had done, Jesus steps out onto the scene. He says, let me clear it up for you. Let me make it plain. Let me make it clear. Here's what the truth is. And when we look back to Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and the teachings that He taught the apostles that passed it down to us, when we look back to that and we see what we ought to be doing, not what some pastor said 50 years ago, not what some, uh, some church 
planters said 300 years ago. We're not worried about that. What we're worried about is the doctrine of Jesus Christ, what He put out, what He taught, what He said, what His apostles wrote down. This is what we focus on. He says, here's the new thing. It has nothing to do with anything else. It's all about Jesus. That's it. And that's what we're here to do. It's time for us to help the poor quit begging for scraps and enjoy the riches of Christ. It's time for us to help the brokenhearted no longer wallow in shame and sadness. They can come here for healing. Let's not meet them at the door and make sure they get cleaned up before they come in. It's time for the captive to no longer feel the need to be enslaved by sin. Christ came to set them free. The, the blind now have no reason to remain that way. God's Word can shed light in their heart. And God has shown mercy because the oppressed no longer need to worry about the rules, the regulations. They find freedom in Christ. Understand, salvation is by grace and grace alone. And there's freedom in that. God has shown mercy to mankind and we experience His grace and mercy. In other words... We don't need to follow man's way. We run to Jesus. With complete abandon. Before we can get involved in leading others to worship, we've got to get it right ourselves. Jesus made the comment simply this when, he, when somebody asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. A lot of people that love the name Baptist more than they love God. A lot of people love their pastor more than they love God. A lot of people will follow a man to the grave and ignore the Word of God the entire way. How are you doing it? Loving God with everything. With every part of you. We sure do know how to love ourselves, don't we? <laughs> Just let somebody do the thing that we think is the wrong thing to do. We'll make sure they know it. The hymn writer wrote, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul. Just one dark block. Think about it. Church, this is the message. This is the message that we preach Him. Christ. Crucified. Buried. Risen again interceding on your behalf for all of eternity. Are you broken? There's one who can mend you. Are you wounded? There's one who can heal. Are you desperate to be rescued? Are you empty? Ready to be filled? Come to Christ. This is our message. Only He can heal. Don't come after you've already fixed yourself. Come broken.
come wounded. Father, we come before you presenting ourselves for inspection. Father, I, I, I want so badly for our church to be busy about your business. And so, Father, would you help us to see where we've perhaps become distracted. But, Father, we're getting ready to enter into some days ahead. And we want to be, uh, we want to do this the right way. We don't want to try to start ministries because we want specific ministries of our own liking. Father, we want to present you to this world. We don't want to find things that make us more able to enjoy life. We want to find things and, and start programs and ministries that present you to a lost and dying world. And so, Father, we present ourselves to you this morning, asking you to root out anything in our heart that might prevent that. And that, Father God, we would be quick to run to you and to give you everything. I pray, Father, that you would watch over this portion of the service, that, Lord, we would give ourselves completely to you, and that we would obey whatever it is that you show us that needs to be addressed. Get our hearts aright so that we can enter into these new days prepared to receive a blessing from you and to serve you with everything that we have. It's in your son's name we pray.